Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. In Job chapter 3... Job cursed the day of his birth. He was a good man and he was trying to keep his perfection, uprightness, and integrity, but due to his vexation, he could not contain himself and he didn't know what to do. Job's suffering was so intense and most of the book of Job is a debate about why God would allow such a good person to suffer so much. And this debate continues today. At the end of chapter 2, Job painfully sat in silence for seven days and nights. And then in chapter 3, Job broke the silence and initiated the debate, which is most of the book of Job, by cursing the day of his birth because of his suffering of this very great pain. Well, this is Matt Miller. John Pester's joined me. And you're listening to the life study of Job. John, it's good to have you here with me today. Matt, it's very good to be here. John, I'm going to read the first verse of Job chapter 3, which is the curse of Job of his birthday. It says, After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. Why don't you give a background and an overview of today's Life Study of Job program before we go to Witness Lee? Well, Matt, you know, when I think you consider all that happened to Job, most people would understand his reaction. Because Job was a man who feared God and turned away from evil. He was perfect and upright. He had seven sons and three daughters. He was wealthy with cattle, camels, sheep, and oxen. And then almost in the blink of an eye almost, he lost everything. His cattle were taken away. The sheep were killed. His servants were killed. And then there was a great wind on his house, and it collapsed, and he lost his entire family Almost in the same instant, he received this news of these calamities that had befallen him almost in an instant. And as you mentioned earlier and when we were talking about this, just the emotional drain that this would cause on a person would be enough to crush anybody. But then the Lord even allowed Satan to touch Job in such a way that he was stricken from head to toe with boils. There was intense physical pain associated with this emotional devastation that had befallen him, and so then he just went silent. For seven days and seven nights. For seven days and seven nights, and during this time, he's just considering his circumstances, and when he begins to speak, the first words that come out of his mouth is a curse on the day of his birth. He cursed the day he was born. Very, very serious defeat on his part. Even though he would not curse God, he cursed the day that he was born. But like you said, 
I think many people could understand what is there within us that would keep us from not sympathizing with Job. But there's something, I believe, in this life study message that we'll see that the contrast between a person who's living according to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the person that's living according to the tree of life, someone who's living in the reality of God's New Testament economy. Well, I think, John, we've got a really enlightening program today that is from the view of the book of Job that I think it's safe to say most people have never heard before. And I want to underscore a comment Chris Wilde made about the life study of Job with Witness Lee. He gives us a perspective that is unique to this ministry. I really hope you'll stay with us today. We've got a very uh, encouraging program. Here's Witness Lee for the life study of Job program number four. Job. He was a good man, and he was trying to keep his perfection. He was vexed very much. He didn't know where to put himself. So he just cursed the day of his birth. When he cursed his birth day, uh, would you think he was perfect? I don't believe so. In his cursing of his birthday, he got bankrupt in his integrity. In the Old Testament, we could see God did this one thing, at least on one person, on Job. God firstly stripped him of his possessions, family, house. Then secondly, God consumed him. God would not let Satan kill him, but he was living, existing there to suffer. That was a kind consuming. Day after day, hour after hour, doing nothing but to be consumed. Yet, in the New Testament, these two things became pleasant things, joyful things. Paul since the day he got saved, he was such a person under God's consuming and under God's stripping all the day. If you read Paul's biography, actually his biography is implied in all his 14 epistles. And that biography mainly presents you Paul's sufferings on the right side, left side, in the front and at the back. But he didn't hate his birth and curse it. Paul told us after much consideration he still likes to live, not to die. Right? Why? Because to him to live is Christ. And this living Christ is for him to magnify Christ through life or through death. Paul was happy and Paul was even rejoicing to the Lord for his experiences. John, I think it would be helpful right now if we read some of these New Testament verses about the Apostle Paul that Witness Lee was just referring to that talks about his attitude towards suffering. The one that he just directly quoted was Philippians chapter 1, 21 through 25. 
I'm not going to read those four verses, but let me read some other ones. Uh, the first one is Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Then in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, also, verses 8 and 9, we are pressed on every side, but not constricted, unable to find a way out, but not utterly without a way out, persecuted, but not abandoned, cast down, but not destroyed. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, therefore I am well pleased in weaknesses, in insults, in necessities, in persecutions and distresses on behalf of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am powerful. John, this is a very large contrast, I would say, to Job, who cursed the day of his birth when he faced adversity. What a, what a difference here. I think it's very instructive to see these two men, one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament, both facing severe tests, trials, and adversities. One reacts by cursing the day that he is born, and Paul reacts by rejoicing and being pleased and being encouraged by the sufferings that he's experiencing because he realizes that he's being renewed day by day and that there's an eternal weight of glory being worked out in his being. And you have to ask yourself the question, is this difference merely a difference because Paul was a superior person to Job? I don't think the answer to that is yes. Paul was different than Job because he saw his circumstances in a different light. He realized what the goal of his testing and trying circumstances were, and he pursued toward that goal. And more importantly, Paul also had a source that he could draw from that Job could only look forward to, but Paul actually had within him. He had received the divine life of God in his regenerated human spirit, and that was a source of supply that enabled him to go through the trials and testing that Job could only, when he encountered them, end up in cursing. I think it's very instructive to realize that Job was a good man, but Paul was a God-man. Paul was a person that was motivated and animated and supplied by the divine life of God, and Job was a person who was a good person in and of himself. He turned away from evil, but that is not what God wants. God wants a person who is saturated and filled, magnifying and expressing all that he is through the divine life of Christ that has been imparted into his being, and Paul saw that. Job didn't see that, and so Job could only curse his circumstances. Paul saw that in the midst of his circumstances, he had the opportunity to gain Christ, to magnify Christ, to express Christ, and that Christ that he was going to gain, magnify, and express him was living within him. And so Paul had a completely different perspective. God wants not just good men, but God men. And that's what Paul exemplified, and that's what even Job exemplified. So they were really in the same circumstances, but they had completely different reactions. You know, you reminded me of a famous verse in Job, John. It says, uh, Job said, for I know that my Redeemer lives, right, and he will appear again. But Paul would say, for I know my Redeemer lives in me. 
That's the big difference. Job right. knew of God. He knew there was a Redeemer. But Paul had a Redeemer who actually lived in him and was his source, that he was more than just a good man. It's like you said, he was a God man. You know, when all of those circumstances befell Job, he still said, blessed be the name of Jehovah. He didn't curse God, but he cursed his circumstances. He cursed his own situation within the plan of God because he couldn't see fully what God was trying to do, that God was trying to turn Job away from just being good in his own natural self to being a person that utterly relied upon God for everything. Thanks, John. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Paul told us he liked to be conformed into the death of Christ. To be conformed to certain deaths, surely that is not a present thing. But Paul wanted it. He desired to be molded in Christ's death. Apparently, there was all the time a kind of suffering. But actually, to Paul, that was a great pleasure. Every day in his Christian life, Paul was put to death. Over his physical body, there was such a sign, such a mark. This man may be put to death today. Every day he bore such a mark. The only way for him to manifest life of Christ is to experience Christ's death. He is such a man, expecting to be consumed. I don't think there was another man on this earth who expect to be consumed every day. Why he was such a man? Because he wanted to be renewed. If you are not consumed, you could never be renewed. And this kind of a renewing by consuming does a kind of work. What work it does? It adds the weight of your glory, which you will share in the coming days. The glory you share, it becomes an eternal weight. Have you ever got to know such a term? What the eternal weight? Jew, you consider that you suffer so much, heavy suffer, but actually your kind of affliction is just so light. You have to take care of the glory. You have to increase the weight of that glory. How much weight that glory will be depends upon uh how much you do suffer in your present affliction for the Lord's sake. So Paul didn't uh, care how much he suffered. Rather, he wanted to suffer more. Because the more he suffers, the more weight of glory he will share. Eternity. Okay, John, let me read a few more verses from the New Testament again, and then I'll let you comment. 2 Corinthians 4, 10, and 11. Always bearing about in the body the putting to death of Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who are alive are always being delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, 
that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. And then the verse that Witness Lee referred to, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, For our momentary lightness of affliction works out for us more and more surpassingly an eternal weight of glory. This is really a different view of suffering. The suffering is actually working out for us a more surpassing eternal weight of glory. Praise the Lord, Matt. This is a deep matter. You said you mentioned at the beginning that the the subject of the book of Job many people consider is why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? You try to get some understanding of the role of suffering in the human life. If you consider that from the standpoint of God's economy, that is the kernel of the thought. Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, precisely because a person is good and not God, not filled with God. Maybe they're good according to their own standard. They're good according to their natural being. And that goodness keeps a person from really knowing God because we become self-satisfied, we become self-contained, and we have no need of God. We're perfect, we're upright, we fear God, and somehow God is far distant away. But then sufferings occur. What is a suffering but an admission that we are incapable of being in control of the events? We're incapable of controlling the emotional events in our life. We're incapable of controlling the physical deterioration in our body, no matter how much we want to be a healthy person, at some point in our life, we will begin to deteriorate in our health. And that deterioration, that inability to control our own destiny is our suffering. And God allows suffering, and suffering comes to us to point out the reality of the fact that we are not in control and that if we try to be in control, we just fool ourselves. And rather, we need to turn to a different source. We need to turn to God himself. And Paul realized that all of his sufferings were pointing out his need for God. In his physical body, he needed God as his supply and his source and his comfort. In his emotional distress, he could not make it on his own. He needed God. And so every suffering that came to Paul was an opportunity for Paul to turn to God, to turn to the source that was alive and living and moving in his being, and to draw the supply from that source. And so by doing that, He was, although his outward man was being consumed, his inward man was being renewed. His inward spiritual man was being strengthened and enlarged and magnified more of Christ. So in the midst of Paul's sufferings, Christ was manifested. God was manifested because Paul turned from good to God. He turned to a real source that would enable him to magnify and express God. And so Paul enjoyed his sufferings. He didn't beg for them. He didn't ask for them. Please, no one should ask for sufferings. But when they come, if you have this view that God wants to be wrought into your being by turning you to him so that you can gain him, so that an eternal weight of glory, which is God himself, can be wrought into your being, then you can, what Witness Lee said, he expected to be consumed because he knew at the core of his being that he needed God. And so Paul had this expectation. Sufferings will come my way, but when they do come my way, I will know what to do with them. I will turn to God, and I will allow God to 
inwardly renew my inward being as he's taking away some of these elements of my natural self and natural being and allowing those to be consumed so that my inward man can be renewed day by day. Well, John, that's a good lead into our conclusion today, which is Witness Lee is going to talk about the tree of life in the beginning of Genesis chapter 2 and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and how there's a contrast there and how it applies in a practical way to this story of Job and the contrast with Paul. Let's go to Witness Lee for the conclusion of today's life study. God created a man and put man into a place in front of two trees. One is the life tree, the other is the knowledge tree. Man didn't take the tree of life. Rather, he took the knowledge tree. So, we all have to realize the tree of knowledge of good and evil has been growing, growing every day among the human race for 6,000 years. A big tree. Whether you are a Jew, or you are a Japanese, you are an American, we all hold the same tree. You know, me and my wife, we two old folks <laughs> living in the house, no doubt, human faces are human faces. One second, the face was so pleasant. Then another second, it becomes hell. <laughs> so, some trouble there. Now, I will ask you, what shall you do? Probably you will do, dear, we should not be like this. Let's sit down and have a talk. And she will say, talk about what? <laughs> well, dear, please be patient. To talk about uh, how to make our situation present all the day long. <laughs> then she said, all the day long? Even two minutes, impossible. <laughs> what is this? We are growing in the tree of knowledge. We are not only growing, we are watering this tree. We are even fertilizing this tree. <laughs> Do you know, the more we talk, ha <laughs> ha, we all know this, the more we talk, the more we grow in this tree of knowledge. Then, what shall you do? What shall you do? You just have to say, no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. We don't talk about it. We don't fertilize it. We don't water it. So stay away. The entire human race is growing the tree of knowledge. So there is no peace. As long as this tree of knowledge is growing among the human race, there is no peace. We should turn from the tree of knowledge to the tree of life. We don't grow that, but we grow Christ. We don't leave the tree of knowledge, but we leave the tree of life. That's Christ. John, I really like this 
practical application, I feel like Witness Lee's ministry always brings us back to how it applies to our daily of life, the experience of Christ. Which tree are we watering and growing, the tree of life or the tree of knowledge, of good and evil? Well, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is one source, and the tree of life is another source. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil really represents Satan, and the tree of life represents God. There's two sources in the universe, Satan and God. And Job had turned away from evil to good, but he hadn't turned all the way to God. And so he was still living from the wrong source. But in God's New Testament economy, we have the capacity to say, it is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And we can be people who daily turn away from being not just evil and not just trying to be good and upright, but daily turning to God. And the best way to turn to God and to take of the tree of life is just to open your mouth and say, Oh, Lord Jesus. Calling on the name of the Lord causes us to eat and enjoy Christ as the tree of life, and he spontaneously lives and moves in our being, sustains us in the midst of every suffering, and enrots God into our being. Well, it's really practical. Call on the Lord's name, read his Bible, contact the living Lord within us. I think this is a real way to eat the tree of life and save us from that whole realm of good and evil. Right. Well, John, thanks for coming in and doing this program with me on Job's cursing of his birthday. Thank you very much. And thank you very much also for joining us. If you'd like to get the printed materials that go along with these messages, you can call us at 1-888-543-3788. On behalf of John Pester, this is Matt Miller. Thanks for listening today. you enjoyed this program. For more information on Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, please visit our website, lsm.org. Again, that's lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.